All right, Meredith, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Happy to um, be here. Really appreciate you for doing this. Um, definitely um, excited to kind of learn more about what's going on over at the Chrysler Museum and uh, kind of just see what's going on in your world. So why don't you maybe give the listeners a little background maybe about yourself and, um, you know, maybe like your origin story. Sure. So I grew up in Hampton Roads. I was born in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Went to First Colonial High School here locally and then went to college at Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond. Majored in fashion merchandising and studied art history also. Um, and then I went into retail buying for uh, Lillian Vernon, which is, was a national catalog company. And as, th as times changed and things shifted to digital, they closed and I transitioned to buying over at Nexcom, which is the Navy Exchange uh, Command. And um, once I was in buying for a little bit, I thought I would prefer to be in marketing. So I shifted up to Washington, D.C. for a company. Um, called Hanley Wood and it's a business media publishing company and I was a merchandiser, a plans merchandiser, sort of like an editorial role. And so I um, worked on a bunch of publications that sold home plans and sort of industry um, magazines like Builder Magazine and Architects Magazine. Um, so we did a lot of B2B sales as well as uh, B2C. So um, home plans to working on um, trade shows for the big builder show in Las Vegas. So it was a lot of fun. I managed email marketing and I just found my niche was marketing and I enjoyed merchandising and talking to different different stakeholders like businesses and customers uh, for businesses and customers. So um, I was up there for about a year. And, and I just want to uh, kind of get a couple questions. That's, yeah. a lot of, that's a lot of good information. So Give me a sense of the year that you were kind of doing the email marketing, just because yeah. I, I know email marketing in 2020 uh -huh. versus any 2000, other year. 2008 maybe was when I was oh, up in wow. D.C. So open rates. Totally different. Rates um, much bananas, um, right? Yeah, it was, it was sort of a newer technology at the time, and we were working with lots of different customers, so we had to change our messaging based on who we were pitching um, the plan sets to. These are home plans, so people that might want to build a house. But remember, this is 2008. This is right when the bubble popped. Ah, and so, so we're at the top. Yeah, we're at we're the going, peak, and we're, we're going down, but we couldn't down. see it yet. And so um, we were, and it was also when things becoming green became really popular. So we, we uh, created a custom publication called Eco Home Designs, which was a lot of fun. And we were finding home plans and products for the home that allowed a home to be more green, if you want to call it that. So we were teaching consumers how to build a house as green as possible. And um, at the time, that was, that was just when things were really, really starting to take off as far as living sustainably. And we ended up um, launching that online and in print. But as the bubble started to pop, people stopped building houses. Uh, so publications went from print to online, and then the company sort of started to downsize and, and change its uh, future plans. So I ended up moving back to the Hampton Roads area, and um, I worked in marketing and business development for some other small companies locally. And I ended up at Maersk, which is a, the world's largest shipping company. Huge company, nice. Um, funny enough, my husband actually worked there as well. <laughs> and he's in finance, so we're, we're totally opposites. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good a, balance. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, so I worked in marketing, and it's a global company, and the US arm is here in Virginia. So it was a lot of um, 
What did you learn there? Oh, man. I think branding was my biggest takeaway of managing a brand and how challenging it can be with so many employees across the world, so many business units, and um, working to make sure that our messaging was consistent and um, with the shipping industry always changing, it could be challenging um, because shipping goes up and down based on the economy. Sure, uh, sure. So staying really uh, current on what's happening in the market was important. So you were in a kind of a brand role there? Yes, yes. That? I was a uh, marketing analyst, and so I helped market lots of services. Um, Maersk actually operated vessels for the U.S. government, mm -hmm. or they still do, um, as well as shipped goods, right? Um, so a lot of people didn't realize that Maersk, this Danish, Danish company, operates U.S. vessels. So you were in more of like a brand management role at Maersk. Like what... What do you think were kind of some of the important things, like takeaways, like that helped you with your next step in your career? Well, I think consistency was really important. Communicating brand guidelines to staff around the country, on our vessels, and at different offices was really important. People get excited about where they work and want to make all their own merchandise, and so we had to really rein that in to ensure consistency and quality. It's really important as a global brand. Um, also, um, how to market to the government was a good takeaway. I had been doing that for a little bit locally, but it was very different for a global brand and for, for a big national a U.S. company. So um, building relationships was really important. Being present at trade shows and, and talking to the actual customer face-to-face -face about what we can do and what we can offer. Awesome. And so where did you go from there? What was the next so after Maersk, I went to, so I sort of have hopped around industries, but maintained my skill set and grown my skill set in marketing and PR. So from Maersk, I went to a company called Wellagent, which is a software company or a sort of software as a service company. SaaS. Yes. Um, so considered a startup and they sold healthcare software to the behavioral healthcare community. Um, so sort of, you know how you go in and you have your um, patient portal when you go to work at the doctor, or it's called EHR, Electronic Health Record Systems, mm -hmm. all the doctor's offices have to have it. So we were in a great position because as the, the laws are changing, companies are expected to go electronic. So we were selling um, to that community. Got it. And um, working for a software company versus a shipping company is very different. It's a little more progressive, you have some more flexibility, but the market's totally different. So you went to this kind of tech company and then what was the next step? Where'd you go from so there? So from there, I ended up at the Chrysler Museum. So like I said, I hopped around industries a lot and it's been fun because I've learned a lot being in different environments. And so coming to the museum, um, I had a small background in art history, but nothing compared to the PhDs that are all over the building. And um, I wasn't sure if I was gonna get the job, but it's been, it's been so exciting since I've been there. It's been about three years. And um, I'm the director of communications, so I have uh, a pretty good-sized team. There's about seven of us, and we do everything from public relations to marketing, communications, community engagement, anything digital, website. So we're pretty busy. Nice. Yeah. I was going to ask you what do the seven people do, but so, you kind of broke it down. Yeah. Maybe expand a little bit sure. even more on uh, what do those teams so do. Our team is, um, we have Beatrice, who's our communications coordinator. So she helps traffic all of the marketing jobs that happen. We have customers across the museum. So we consider ourselves sort of a service department to everyone at the museum. That could be curators, visitor services, sales and special events to education and development offices. 
so Beatrice helps track all of the jobs that are happening at the museum and moves things to printers and you know delivers things on time. We have a content manager, Deanne, so she's our writer and our editor and makes sure we have a great consistent voice. We have Megan Frost, who's our communications manager, and she does all of our digital and website and helps with messaging across the museum. And then we have Michael Berlucci, he's actually a city councilman in Virginia Beach, and he's our community engagement and government relations manager. And so he makes sure that we're building relationships in sometimes underserved communities, but also builds partnerships that are strategic for the museum. Um, and then we have Cassie and Desi, they're our graphics desi graphic designers. So we do everything from um, print collateral and advertising and banners, things like you use, um, to exhibition design. So they actually get to build, um, design the graphics that go in the exhibition spaces. Are there any agency relationships or yes. freelance relationships that we you work outsource? With, and yeah. how do you decide what you're going to outsource and relinquish that kind um, of creative I think control? The challenge is... In a nonprofit, there's resource limitations, right? So you have to be strategic about what you spend your hours on internally and what you outsource. Occasionally, we'll outsource small graphic design jobs um, that we can manage the brand still. And then we outsource some PR and media relations help. So we work with Meridian Group, which is a great company here in Hampton Roads. And um, we have a PR liaison there that gives us guidance sometimes when we do uh, interviews or we want to do press pitches for big exhibitions or grant grants we've received and things like that. How many staff are at the museum total? Like, uh, and what's the, yeah, that's my first question. Well, I think we have about 150. <laughs> 50 staff total yep. full-time it's probably about half of that we have lots of security and visitor services staff and then we have um, a pretty good size full-time staff which it comprised of the um, facilities team to security visitor services we have a development office that helps raise money for the organization and works with our members really closely the education department that does a lot of outreach and public programs and of course the curators and um, the administrative staff and what type of uh, focus does the museum have? Is it, because I know you can get a wedding, you can yeah. have a corporate, uh, you know, shareholder meeting, or you could have an exhibition for children, or what kind of focus, I guess, or organization strategically do you think about when it comes to communicating? Um, how do you decide what's, uh, what's being kind of relayed outward? So that's one of our um, struggles or juggles that we have at the museum. Um, we don't just have one product or service. We, sort of, we have a lot going on. So some of the things you mentioned are sort of the special event rentals where we, it's a great revenue source for the museum because revenue is so important for us. We re rely on donor support but also earned income like facility rentals. So we do try to promote weddings and special event spaces. We also work on exhibitions. So we have large changing exhibitions that happen in our, one of our larger galleries downstairs. And then we also have smaller exhibitions happening all the time. So one of our taglines is always changing, always free. Um, because we have free admission and lots of exhibitions that are rotating through. New acquisitions, new exhibitions. We have lots of programs. So we spend a lot of time talking about these exhibitions and programs that correlate with them to get the general public interested and to experience, experience what we're offering. We also work, uh, we do a lot of member communications um, because membership and giving is really important to the museum. So we wanna make sure that people feel ownership over the museum because we're a space for everyone. So I'd say our biggest message is that we want um, everyone to feel welcome and we want to be as inclusive um, of an environment as possible. What do you think is working well in terms of the communication plan that you're 
currently executing and, and what do you think is really moving I guess the awareness funnel if you will if there's you know bringing in new business and you know these new events what what kind of uh, is the driver of that so we sort of do a multi-channel approach I would say public relations um, and pitching is, is really important for the museum because we want awareness not just in our community but with other institutions within the industry and across the country so for example recently we got an amazing article in the New York Times about this Thomas Jefferson architect exhibition that we have open and that was a big win for the Chrysler Museum to get this hit in the Times and it was talking about talking about slavery in museums and we led the article so it was really exciting and we think that that helped draw in you know people that may not regularly come to the museum so we want to always be pitching our stories to the press but we also do a lot of digital marketing. So in the last few years since I've been at the museum, we rebuilt our entire website, which was a big deal because we didn't have the capacity to do online advertising or even have a, um, a mobile uh, mobile version. Oh, <laughs> so wow. That was Only one of the desktop. priorities when I got there, got yeah, it. was to, to redo that. So one of our team members led that project and did a great job. And now we're able to um, advertise mobile, we're able to do geofencing and targeting and retarget visitors that have been in or have been near the building. So we're seeing some success there. Um, and then we also like to do just sort of out in the community billboard advertising. We did some advertising at the premium outlets in Norfolk um, because they have some great outdoor spaces. And we did an Eric Carl show last summer. That was a huge success for the museum. And I think having that, that foot traffic that can see the advertising right in front of them was very helpful. Very so nice. it really just depends on who we're talking to and what channel we use. Totally. Um, what do you think about 2020? Is there anything that you're excited about for this year? And just, I know we're, you know, early, you know, yeah. <laughs> a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of high hopes um, so far in the year. But um, what are you thinking in terms of, I guess, strategic goals and, uh, you know, just like next steps? Sure. So we're really thinking about membership and giving at the museum. So as we rework some of those strategies, we'll want to be um, talking to visitors and potential visitors in a way that encourages them to give to the museum because it takes a lot to operate our space. We're a nonprofit. And I think there's a misconception that museums have tons of money because we house very expensive objects. But it takes a lot of um, energy and support to make that happen. So that's sort of a message that we're going to start talking a little bit more. We want to share, sort of share the behind the scenes of what's happening at a museum and how do we operate. And I think we've seen success in posts that we've done around um, this behind the scenes sort of stories. Another thing is that we're free. So we want to always share the message that we're free, uh, free general admission because um, Again, there's a misconception that museums are expensive or that's not for me or I don't have money. You can come for an hour and come back next week for another hour, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then we have some good exhibitions coming up. So Edward Munch opens this spring, um, which is a Norwegian um, artist. And The Scream, it's a really famous painting. You might remember if you Google it, it's the easiest thing to, to find. Um, that's going to be an exciting show for us. And um, so we'll continue to talk about exhibitions and, and, and that we're free. Um, and we'll continue to focus on digital. We're seeing a lot of success there. Nice. Um, you brought up a point I was thinking about was uh, content and just mm -hmm. seeing how you think about content. Maybe, yeah. you know, plug your podcast sure. and maybe talk a little bit about that a mm -hmm. little bit. Well, um, so as we're built, we're, we're, our goal is to kind of always have a content library. And we have so many stories to tell. I think that working at the museum has been such a fun experience because we have art, we have the community, we have this amazing staff. So there's just, we have a 
a library of, of content really to, to talk about. And extracting those stories and figuring out what makes, what ticks, you know, uh, is kind of a game, you mm -hmm. know? And um, we find that on social media, the general public just really enjoys funny stories or industry stories. Um, and sometimes we, we just did a, a Chrysler Bake Off over just in December. And, you know, the great British Bake Off is like a huge TV sensation. And so we played off of that and we did a lot of um, content marketing and we did posters and the paper picked it up and covered it. And it was just a great way to engage the public. Um, so again, it's that multi-channel approach where um, we want to make sure we're hitting people in lots of different ways and reminding them of what's happening at the museum. Um, versus just a one, one and done. Got it. Yeah. What about kind of your, like, back to your career, what kind of mentors or do you go to someone from, you know, taught you at VCU or yeah. do you have someone back at Marist that you call on? I do. I had an amazing boss at Marist. Her name was Beth uh, Branch, now Frischer. I really she, just guessed that. <laughs> yeah, she really, because I think she was at Marist for, you know, maybe 15 years at, at least at the time. And she had lived in Copenhagen in their headquarters, and she had kind of ridden through different waves of the company. And she was a good mentor as far as being professional and, and how to work in this environment, how to please different stakeholders and build relationships and sort of be strategic. Um, she taught me a lot about just being in the workplace. And, um, and I kind of came with the marketing side, and she, and she says, I, you taught me a lot, mar a lot about marketing. So I think it's a two-way street sometimes. Um, and also building relationships with peers at other museums because mm. um, this is the first museum I've worked for and now it's been three years but my whole team went up to the VMFA and we met with their marketing department to learn about how they operate and some of their challenges and and fun things going on and so we exchange ideas in that way oh, that's perfect yeah um, you know you already talked a little bit excuse me you've already talked a little bit about um, you know mentors what about just like general learnings in the past three years like anything that I guess, for lack of better words, being an outsider into the museum world, like what did you kind of learn or what did you, like maybe you have that uh, perception going in of something mm -hmm. and you discover something is yeah. uh, different once you get there? So <clears throat> there are dueling priorities in the museum. Um, we have exhibitions and we have uh, programs and we have fundraising, so sort of learning how to balance the messaging and learning how to talk to lots of different audiences that we want to bring into the museum. Um, I had some experience with that, but we have even more customers because we have a lot of internal customers. Like I said, we like to think of ourselves as a service department. So sort of balancing everyone's needs and looking at everything holistically and making sure it's a balanced um, communication strategy. Um, has been has been great. Also, I have a great team, so I think that managing the size of team that we have um, has taught me a lot because I really can uh, trust them to take a project from A to Z and just check in, and that is amazing. And I think that taught me a lot about being a good manager is um, trying to be a good mentor, but also giving people the freedom and, uh, and autonomy to do a job in, in their way. It doesn't have to be my way. Is there anywhere that you look for marketing ideas that you kind of find marketing ideas? Is there any 
anything like online influencers mm -hmm. the paper yeah. New York Times yeah so um, I follow um, lots of blogs and there's one called Colleen Dylan Schneider and she has this blog called know your bone and it's all about museums and analytics and visitor experience she does a lot of research and presents results and it's helpful because sometimes you read that and go that is exactly our problem we're not alone and I think realizing that we're sort of a community and a family in the museum industry makes you feel like okay we're all facing this challenge and then you can kind of go to your peers and figure out how are we going to fix this um, as a whole. I also um, enjoy uh, following the Philadelphia Museum of Art. They have an amazing social media account so I recommend checking it out. Right. We get good inspiration and they do fun lots of memes. Memes are always a hit. Yeah memes <laughs> go really well. Memes, babies, and yeah, right. dogs. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had another point I was going to ask about. Um, you touched on uh, mentors, you touched on resources, <clears throat> um, outside, and you kind of already touched on this, but are there conferences that someone like you goes to, or are, are there meetups? Maybe, you know, how do you, how do you kind of network in this industry? So it's important to stay current, and I think continued education and professional development is really important, and the Chrysler Museum supports that very well. They encourage all of our staff to pursue professional development opportunities. I budget for my team to do those sorts of things. Beatrice is going to go to the Virginia Association of Museums in the spring. There's also the Alliance of American Museums, which is the large. It's AAM. It's sort of the... The, the superpower of all the museums, and we all get um, accredited through that organization. So it's very important to sort of meet certain guidelines. Um, they have a huge conference this year. It's in San Francisco, and I'm actually going to go. And usually, you get to attend other museums where they host. So SF MoMA or whatever um, museum they they're going to help host, we'll we'll attend those. So you network with peers from different museums. You sometimes it's great to go to sessions that aren't necessarily in your category. So I'm communications, marketing, PR, but going to an education session, learning how their brains work, so that I can better help our education team is the kind of thing. There's also museums in the web. Um, I've gone to that for several years and that's, it's kind of, it sounds like a funny, funny name, but it's all the technology and, and marketing staff that go to these. So where are we going to use audio guides or AI or how are we doing email marketing and building a website, things like that. It's perfect. Well, this is great. This has been really tight and very, uh, <laughs> very succinct, very well done. I really appreciate your time. Uh, where can the listeners follow you and kind of get to connect with uh, the museum? Sure. So I love to find connections on LinkedIn. So my name is Meredith Gray. And um, the Chrysler, you can follow us at Chrysler Museum. So on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Very good. And, and uh, that's in Norfolk. Norfolk, physically. Virginia, right down on The Hague in Ghent. And uh, we have an exhibition, Thomas Jefferson Architect, that's open through January 19th. So we'd love to see people come in and check out um, Thomas Jefferson's legacy as an architect, but also as somebody that used enslaved workers to complete his monument. So we're trying to tell a fuller picture, and we think there's someone for something for everyone. There it is. Thank you so much. Thanks.